Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Feeling good? Tired. Which one? Who said that? All of you? <laughs> it's like, let's raise our hands if we didn't say tired. Yeah, I, um, I, I do get the feeling that just in the room this morning, and maybe even people watching online, that, that you are tired. How many of you feel like you're in the middle of a battle right now? Whether that's, maybe you think it's with somebody. Uh, maybe it's a decision you have to make. Um, maybe it's some sin that you've been fighting for a long time that you can't seem to get out of. Um, a lot of us are, are in a battle. On the other side of that, how many of you would say, and let's, let's be honest, because uh, sometimes I don't think we are in this context. How many of you would say that my faith is, is shaken or my faith is weakened right now? That I'm asking questions that I don't, I don't have the answers to. I'm wondering why, I'm wondering if, I'm wondering how long. You know, it, it's, it can be difficult to trust God, can it? Um, how many of you have ever been in a situation or are in a situation where you're trying to trust but you're, you're struggling? Maybe, maybe it was um, something happened and you swore, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this in the hands of God until the next day. Let's be honest, an hour later, and you found yourself worrying about it again, or maybe, maybe there was a diagnosis, maybe um, you got the diagnosis, and I can see some of you that I know are feeling that story right now, and you were determined, I can't do anything about this, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust God, but yet you still find yourself up in the middle of the night wondering how, how is this going to turn out, is, is, is this it? Or maybe you have a child who moved away to college or just moved out of the house and you, were, you had decided, okay, I'm done, I'm done worrying about them. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about them. They're adults or they should be. And so I, I'm done worrying. And then literally you find yourself awake at 1.45 in the morning wondering, did they make it home? Did they brush their teeth? Did they take their medicine? Or how about maybe you're in a financial crisis right now and you've done all you can do. You've, you're working hard, you've planned out a budget and you've decided, okay, I've, I've done all I can do. I'm not gonna worry about this anymore. And then something else happens that causes more financial strain and so you find yourself in a, in a tough place. The, the truth is, is, if you've been in church for a while, or, or maybe you haven't been in church, um, it's really easy for a preacher to stand on a stage and tell you, just have faith. Don't worry. Just trust God. Let go and let God. Have y'all ever heard that? And you're like, shut up. <laughs> what do you think I'm trying to do? Hold on and not let God? Of course I'm trying to let go and, and let God. It's, it's really easy to stand on a stage and to say that or to have somebody, have you ever had somebody mention it in the worst possible time tell you God's got it? 
or trust God or, or quote Romans 8, 28, God works together all things for the good of those who love him and be called according to his purpose. And you're like, well, this ain't good. <laughs> it's, it's easy for us to quote cliches and, and that kind of thing. But the, the, the road to trusting God isn't a straight up and to the right kind of road. As a matter of fact, it's more of a, it's more of a roller coaster. This morning, I want to I wanna talk for a few minutes um, about that roller coaster and a guy that kind of went on that roller coaster in Scripture. And my title is Leave the Tent. Leave the Tent. Some of you are like, oh, now I get it. And I, I, just to be honest with you, the message that I, I'm preaching this morning is one that is birthed out of a, out of a, a, a passion that I have um, for encouraging people to trust God. Um, I know, I know it's difficult. It's difficult for me. I know it's difficult for you sometimes in those, in those moments of, of struggle to, to really trust. But I really do believe this message this morning is straight from the Holy Spirit. I struggled through this thing, y'all. I had this idea on my mind six months ago, and I put it down on paper. And then I thought, what in the world have I done? I don't even know where I'm headed with this. But it's beautiful if you don't know about the creating process, how God just kind of takes something and he morphs it and he gives you exactly what you need. So this morning, I hope... Um, I hope to just encourage some of you. A lot of you, I'm not going to teach you anything new, but I hope, uh, I, I hope, I can, hope I can encourage you. Now we're going to figure out how I'm going to get up here. Y'all ready? Thank you. Leave the tent. Let's take a look at Abraham. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says about Abraham long after he died. It says in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go a pla- to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So Abraham, the writer of Hebrews 11, or calls him Abraham. Abram was his name before God changed it. God actually changed his name in Genesis 17 when he goes back and reminds Abraham of the promise that he made him in the passage that we're going to read in just, in just a moment. And Abram or Abraham's story is one of the most incredible in, in all of the Bible, really all, all of history. If you go back and, and you read the story, it really is a story of that roller coaster ride. Not just Abraham's faith, but his life was, was a roller coaster. This story of Abraham is so important to not just scripture, but history. Three of the major world religions tr- have their beginnings in Abraham. Islam, uh, Christianity, and Judaism all kind of trace their beginnings back to this guy named Abraham. He was an important figure. He had humble beginnings. But he would become the father of God's people. You are here today because of this promise that God is going to make to Abraham in the book of Genesis. God used Abraham in an incredible way. But the thing that set Abraham apart at the end of the day wasn't his perfection. It was his faith. Hebrews 11 is a passage of scripture known as the Faith Hall of Fame. It calls out certain people in scripture who lived a life of crazy faith, and Abraham gets mentioned. It's not because he was perfect, because as we're going to see, he was far from it. It's not that even his faith was perfect. He suffered moments of doubt. But the fact is, is that Abraham was resilient when it came to his faith. The Bible says that he was a 
a wealthy man, had a lot of livestock and silver and gold. And Abraham's story really begins in Genesis 12 when God tells him, speaks to him to leave his homeland and go to a land that God will show him. So what God wants him to do is literally pack up everything, to pack up his tent, pack up all of his livestock, pack up his entire family, and go without giving him the end destination. It would be like God coming to you in a dream tonight and saying, I want you to leave your house, I want you to leave your job, I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave everything that you know, and I'm going to go, and you say, God, okay, but where? And he says, you don't know yet. And so you have to pack everything up, everything you've ever known, and go on your way. It would kind of be like me getting in my truck, opening Google Maps, following the turn-by-turn directions without ever putting in a final destination. So I just drive, I turn, turn left, turn right, watch that speed trap, and continue on until my GPS says, you have reached your destination, and that's where I stop. It sounds crazy. But that's what God calls Abraham to do, and Abraham steps out in faith. Isn't that how God often works in our life? He tells us what to do without telling us where we're going. Have you ever noticed that? He will give you certain inklings. The Holy Spirit will point out certain things. You'll you'll be told, you'll be prompted to have a conversation or you'll be prompted to take this turn or to stop that or to stop or to start this or to stop that. And meanwhile, you don't know exactly where you're going. You just know that you are supposed to follow him. And so he says, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. I want you to stop that. I want you to, to trust me here. God still does this kind of thing in the lives of his people. He may not be asking you to abandon your home and your family, but he still leads us step by step without giving us the destination. And some of you today, your faith is weak because you've been walking with God to a destination that you haven't yet seen. And you're getting frustrated and you're getting lonely and you're getting hurt and you're getting, it's getting more painful because you feel like, why am I having to do this stuff when God, you haven't delivered the final destination. And sometimes that is where our faith dies is in the place of from here to wherever it is God is leading me. So Abraham is called to step out to a place that he can't see. The life of faith really is following God to a destination you can't yet see, and that's what makes it difficult. So Abraham goes to this land by faith, and when he gets there, there's a famine in the land. So he's, he's trusted God. He stepped outside of his comfort zone. He's gone to this place, and then when he gets there, a famine breaks out. What? Like, God, are you for real? If God told Abraham to go to this place, why in the world would God let a famine break out? Because God knew where he was going. God knew that the famine was going to break out, right? I believe so. So why in the world would he call Abraham to leave all of his stuff, all of his cushy life? They took some of it with him. But why would he call him to leave everything he knows and go to a land only to be at the place where he could literally starve to death? And for some of you, 
isn't that where your faith issues come from, is you feel like you're following God, but you're still suffering, even in the midst of it? Isn't that a hard place to be? Where you feel like, I've done everything right. I've always been a tither. I've always been a giver, but now I've lost my job. Or you feel like, I've, I've, I've done everything right. I've, I've tried to raise my children right. I, I took them to church. I tried to do the right thing. And now they've gone in a completely different direction. Isn't that the place where sometimes our faith suffers the most? Can I tell somebody today, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not from God. God never promised you that it would be easy. God promised, I will be faithful. And sometimes our faith is shaken because we feel like we're in the right place without the right results. Abraham brings his family, follows God, a very difficult step. And when he gets there, a famine breaks out. You know, sometimes when we're doing everything we, we, we know is right, and it's still hard, or when life is difficult, or, or it's painful, we begin to draw certain conclusions, don't we? Like, I did something wrong. Somebody else did something wrong. I must, must have a sin that I, I haven't thought about. Or my favorite is, we blame it on the devil, right? <laughs> if, if, if I'm going through this much struggle, it must be Satan. Well, it could be Satan, but sometimes God wants you to walk through the pain with him. And just because you're hurting doesn't mean he is somewhere else and doesn't mean that the devil is in control. Sometimes growth in faith can feel like pain. And why does God do that? It's not because he's a jerk. It's not because he's playing games with you. It's so that you'll walk close by him that's for your own good because he knows that's the best place for you to be. And so if he has you in a place where you can't rely on what you know, you can't rely on your reputation, you can't rely on your bank account, you can't rely on your status, that you will surrender to him and you will see that he is faithful. So Abraham and Sarah pack up the truck and they move again towards Egypt. Before they're about to go into Egypt, Abraham gets an idea. He tells Sarah, his wife, he says, listen, honey, you're beautiful. Apparently, Sarah was a looker, hottie. I'm just saying. He says, Sarah, listen, you're a hottie. You're a hottie with a body, and so here's what I need you to do. It was his wife. Don't look at me like I said something wrong. Here's what I need you to do. When we get into Egypt... I want you to lie, and I want you to tell everybody you're my sister because you're such a hottie with a body that if they find out that I am your husband, they will kill me because they want you. So he convinces Sarah to lie, and they get into Egypt, and throughout this entire story, there's also relational conflict. You see his nephew Lot, there's this entire saga that plays out in the whole story. You'll have to go back and read that. It, it, it's kind of funny. But that kind of gets us to where I want to get to, Genesis 15 this morning. So just to recap, the high points of Abraham's story so far. Abraham has trusted God, blind faith, he's stepped out, and he's followed God. It's taken him to a place of famine. So he goes into Egypt on a lie, even convinces somebody else, Sarah, to lie as well. And he's experienced relationship turmoil with Lot. And maybe the worst part of this whole thing is he and Sarah are childless. 
Now, I, I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal to, today when, when, when you want to have a child and, and you're begging God for it. It can be a, it can be a painful thing. But in, in this time, it would even be looked at as you were cursed by God if you didn't have children. And Abraham was a wealthy man, remember? So he has a lot to pass down to his children. And on top of all that he and Sarah have going on, he doesn't have a child yet. It's a big deal. That brings us to Genesis 15, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. (laughs) But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? The one who will inherit my estate is Eliza, Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Isn't it easy for us to look back over our life and see all that God hasn't done? Come on, get real with me. I mean, he can come through for you. A thousand, million, quadrillion, making up numbers times. But the one time where he doesn't do what we thought he should do or would do, we immediately assume he's left us. In the modern context, I think we often just think about, what have you done for me lately? Don't, don't you think like that? Don't you think people think like that? It's like, what have you done for me lately? What, what, what is right in front of my face? We forget about the history. I've seen people will have a 20-year relationship with somebody. They say one thing, they have one disagreement, they feel like there's one betrayal and cut the relationship off. Why? Because in our fast-moving, immediate gratification society, we don't think about what you've done for me. We think about what have you done for me lately, and right now I'm hurt, and so I'm leaving the entire thing. Have Have you noticed in your own life how sometimes you lose sight of what all of God's done because of what you're trying to trust him with now? I've noticed it in mine. If, 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 if I'm honest today, God has been incredible to me. I was blessed enough to be raised in a home where I was loved. I had amazing parents, amazing family. I was, if I even think back, and sometimes I do, I even think back to the coaches that I had. And how they helped mold me and how God seemed to put the right people around me that could speak into my life and could speak a language that, that, that would resonate with me. If, if I look at my, my high school and my, and my college days, I, I see how God molded me into the person that I am. I see how had I just had one certain person or two certain people had more influence in me, I could have gone a completely different direction. I see how, how God's protected me physically and what could have happened. I see what I have now that I, I'm, I'm preaching on this stage to amazing people that I love dearly in an amazing church. And I, then I think about how, how he blessed me with, with a wife that loves me, that, that, that's patient with me, that puts up with me. Y'all, that's harder than you think. Some of you are like, no, I thought it would be pretty hard. She puts up with me. She prays for me. She loves me. I think about the amazing child that I have and how healthy he is today. God has been good to me. But then there are times where one little thing that I think he should have done for me or should have given me that he didn't, and I begin to wonder, God, have you abandoned me? The cable goes out, and I'm like, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? (laughs) We're so quick, aren't we? To forget about all of this stuff because of what we think he should be doing now. And so we start asking why. Is it something I did? 
something somebody else did. I like to blame other people. God, is it, is it too hard for you? And that little thing, it can be something as simple as the cable. It doesn't have to be a big thing for me to jump to great conclusions about God. We're so quick to turn a blind eye to what God is actually doing in our life and how faithful and good he's been. I bet for you, if you look back over your life, you can see some of you times where literally you should have been dead. Literally times you should have gone to jail for a long time. You should still be there. There are times where you could have gone a completely different direction, even if you just have breath in your lungs, and that's the only thing you can think of today. God has been good to you. And what I'm telling you is don't lose sight of all that God's done because of what you assume he's not doing. Because that's where, when, that, when you get into that space where you have a crisis of faith, that's exactly what you'll do. You'll assume that you know what's best, he's not doing it, and you'll forget about the history that you have and the grace that he's given you to this point. Abraham is, is pouting at God, and then God speaks back in verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring so God responds to Abraham's frustration and his roller coaster ride of faith by making him a promise. He and Sarah at this point are old, y'all. Things quit working a long time ago, y'all. And God not only makes him a promise, but he gives him an illustration to go with it. Now you have to understand. According to Hebrews 11, Abraham lived in a tent. So obviously it's night, or God wouldn't be asking him to look at the stars. So Abraham is asleep in his tent, probably cuddling with Sarah because she's a hottie. And God calls him to come out of his tent to look up at the stars so that he can restore his faith and make him this promise. Now Abraham could have said, he could have continued pouting and said, I'm God. You haven't given me a child. God, I, I followed you last time. Ended up almost starving to death. God, I, I, I'm not doing it. But instead, he walks out. He looks up at the stars in the sky, the same stars that he would have believed that God threw into that sky. And he hears God whisper a promise. Can't you imagine the doubts that are going through his head? Like he's probably groggy probably stretching, probably has to pee, probably a little agitated. But instead of saying, no, God, if you're going to speak, you're going to do it right here, he obeys God, he walks out, and he looks up at the stars in the sky, and he hears God say, here is my promise. I'm not only going to give you one child, but your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky, even with all of the doubts that he could have been thinking. Look at how he responds, verse 6. It says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So he believed. That word believe there in, in, in the Hebrew 
literally gives a picture of a newborn being, being held by their mother. So it's not, just, it's not just belief. It is comforted. It is assurance. It is, it is almost perfect belief. But when I read this part of the story, I always ask how. Because Abraham and Sarah, they're in their 70s at this point. And so God, how in the world could Abraham believe God now when they had been praying for a child for the last 60 years? How, how could he have actually have the faith to do this after all that he's been through, after all the ups and downs that God has taken him on? And here's what I feel like God is saying to us today, to believe God and to see him do the things in your life that he wants to do, you have to be willing to leave the tent and look at the stars. In other words, if you want to see God do something amazing in your life, you have to be willing to trust him one more time. One more time. To step out of your tent. One more time. Let me ask you a question. What is your tent? What is the thing that is keeping you from seeing and believing the promises of God in your life? What is putting a cap on your faith? Is it shame? Do you feel like the things that you have done, the people that you have been around, disqualify you from God acting in your life now? Do you feel like being let down, feeling let down by God in the past, the disappointment that comes in life. Is that the thing that's keeping you from stepping out and trusting God again? Is it the pain? Is it the pain that God had nothing to do with? It was just somebody. Could it even be the pain that was inflicted upon you by someone who claimed to believe in that same God. And so now, when you're struggling, you think about that person every time, and you're left wondering, can God really do it, or is he really real? What is your tent? And here's my challenge to you this morning. Trust God one more time. Just one more time. It doesn't have to be perfect faith. There can be questions, there can be doubts, but if you find yourself stuck today without answers, waiting on God to do something, can you have just enough faith to unzip the tent and step out one more time? No matter how slow you may be walking, no matter how much you may be struggling to believe, can you step out? Can you get to the point where you throw your hands up and you say, God, I don't know how, but somehow I believe you will. God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. God, I don't know how I'm going to trust you in this. God, I don't know how you're working. God, I don't know how long it's going to take. God, I don't know what you're going to do. But God, I believe you will. Can you do it just one more time with that thing? Can you put it in the hands of God one more time? And just believe for a second that he can that he can make a way. If you're struggling financially, can you continue to, can you trust him just one more time? If you've gotten the diagnosis, if somebody close to you have got, has gotten the diagnosis, can, can you step out of the tent? Can you trust him one 
more time if you find yourself depressed. If you find yourself grieving. If you find yourself doubting everybody around you. If you find yourself with a lost identity, can you trust God one more time? That is the life of faith. One step at a time when I don't know the destination. Leave the tent. See the stars. So now if we fast forward this story, I would really encourage you to, to read it this week. But if we fast forward the story, Abraham and Sarah are going to go through a lot of ups and downs. They're going to continue on the roller coaster even after this promise. At times, they'll do a good job of trusting God. I can imagine that some nights they look at the stars and some nights it encourages them. Some nights it frustrates them. Over, over the next 25 years, they'll have ups and downs. They'll try to make it, make it happen on their own. They'll have Abraham sleep with his servant to try, to try to make it come through that way. In the end, none of that satisfies. And then in, verse, in Genesis 21, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son that Sarah bore him. I want you to hear me say this morning, God is always faithful. God will always do what he says when you feel like it when you don't feel like it when you see a way when you see no way he has made some promises in your life and he will bring them to pass look at me he has promised you i will never leave you or forsake you he has promised he has promised you you cannot outrun my grace he's promised you my love never quits it never runs out he has promised you i will provide i have things for you he has promised you i have a plan for your life and i'm here to tell you today that his promises never fail and they won't start now but you've got to trust one more time You've got to be willing to try it one more time. If he, even if you feel like he's let you down the past 40, you've got to trust one, one, more, one more time. So are you willing to leave the tent and look at the stars, to gaze at the God that created it all, to see the one who has always been, who will always be, to lean on the one who is always right beside you, and to believe that he is still working and bringing to pass the things that are worrying you. let's get really practical I told you at the beginning that it's easy for me to stand up here and tell you to have faith and for the last 30-ish minutes I kind of have it was easy but let's get really practical how how do you begin taking steps towards believing God again or believing God for the first time or strengthening your faith we have to leave the tent and see the stars I want to give you five things, practical things that you can do. And I think it's very important right now that you notice that they spell the word stars. Not for any biblical reason, but just because I worked hard to make them spell stars. 
How do you make this practical? Number one is symbol. When you tend to forget about everything that God's done, you need to have a symbol that you can see to remember his faithfulness. For some of you, it's going to be a picture. It's going to be a picture of your child. It's going to be some sort of trinket or like a necklace or something that you can put. And every time, especially when something's weighing heavy on you, you can look at it. And you can say, I remember when God was there. It's important. I do this all the time. Just triggers in your mind. Yep, God was faithful then. He'll be faithful now. T, it's time. You've got to realize that God's timing and yours are different. And so what sometimes you see as God being slow or God not doing anything, it's just a difference in timing. He has no time. He sees no time. Meanwhile, you're impatient. I'm impatient. You've got to realize his timing and yours are different. The A is admit. Y'all, it's okay to admit when you're struggling. It's okay to admit when you're doubting. It's okay to admit when you're doubting God, you're doubting yourself, you're doubting this whole thing. It's okay. It's okay to tell Him, but you also need some people around you. That's why church is important. That's why online isn't enough, but you need people that you can talk to and you can say, hey, I'm doubting, and they can prop you up and they can encourage you. And the R, remember to pray. Something that I've done over the last few weeks is I realized that Sometimes I can go through an entire morning and forget to pray. So I have a reminder on my phone three times a day. It's called Praise Pauls because I had to start with a P, right? And during that time, I take 20 seconds. I recite a Bible verse. I listen to some music. I just tell God how good he is. I just thank him for something. Remember to pray. Keep it in front of you. And then the S is sing. Sometimes... All you can do, you reading the scripture on your own doesn't seem to be doing anything. Praying, you seem like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. Sometimes you need pre-written praise. You need to worship. You need to remind yourself of how good God is. You need to declare it over your life, over your situation, and say, God, I don't know how, but I believe you will because you are bigger, you are better. And as we sing and as we worship, something powerful happens in the moment where you begin to say, God, I don't know how, but I believe you will. I have forgotten so much you've done, but I know I that you know are still working right now. Will. I don't know how. He cannot be explained. He cannot be calculated, but he is faithful. Come on, y'all stand and sing this with us. Come on.
you don't have a place When the earth gives way on this rock Your church will stay Nothing has ever won surprise Nothing has ever made you flinch When it all shakes out The gates of hell don't stand a chance I don't know how you make a way But I know you will I don't know how you make a way But I know you will You've been put on every promise Repeat and designs And every dead end And out of that babe. I don't know how you make a way thinking if you're really struggling today and I'm not just talking about suicidal or anything like that but if you're really struggling and you're about to give up on your faith or you need you need somebody to speak into it, will you make me a promise that you'll get in touch with me I, the truth is, is I probably won't have a good answer <laughs> but I can talk with you I can pray with you I can love you through it don't give up okay don't give up. The stars are still in the sky all these years later. God is, God is faithful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, this Abraham story is an important one because if you trace the lineage of Jesus, it goes back to Abraham. And so God didn't just promise Abraham a bunch of children that the Savior of the world would come through that. <laughs> through an almost 100-year-old man and woman that God kept His promise to. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you feel like you're too far gone, you're too messed up, I want to tell you today that you never are for God. If you need salvation, if you need hope, if you need a connection with God, just say this prayer in your heart. It's a confession. You can say it out loud. We don't care. It's, it's not magic. It's just a confession. Say, Jesus, I thought I'd gone too far. I thought it was done. But today I trust you. I confess that 
I don't know how, but I believe that you're the son of God, that you came to earth, that you lived a perfect life, that you died and that you rose from the grave. Again, I don't know how, but I believe. So today I believe that, but I also surrender my life to however you would want it. I'm going to follow you as best as I can. In Jesus' name. And for everybody else in the room this morning, if you're having a little bit of a faith crisis this morning and you're starting to doubt or you're tired of fighting, will you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. But please promise me that if you need help, you'll get in touch with us. We have an amazing staff, amazing volunteers that would love to talk through it with you. Jesus, I do pray over every person that just raised their hand and for those that didn't. God, I pray that we'd be willing to leave the tent, our own insecurities, our own past, our own doubts, and that we would see the stars, that we would see your promise, that we would see your greatness, that we would trust you one more time. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to such amazing people and for the honor to be one of their pastors. God, would you please just, Holy Spirit, would you please speak to us? Let us hear you. Remind us of your love. Give us direction. Let your voice be clear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.